Hey, my friend, welcome along to the Medicinal Chef's Nutrition Nuggets podcast, helping you get clarity on nutrition. I'm Dale Pinnock, the Medicinal Chef, best-selling author, nutritionist, and creator of Nutrition Coaching Monthly. Every week here in the podcast, I'm going to be answering your questions and discussing key topics around the field of nutrition to help give you clarity and to expand your knowledge. Hey folks, how you doing? Hope you guys are good and you've had a fantastic week. I've had a, a, an interesting week, really. I've um, it's not been as productive as I would have liked because I've been kind of fighting off the jet lag. Last week I was over in the US. I was in beautiful San Diego at an incredible conference. It was really a, a real privilege to spend time in the company of some of the most incredible, inspiring game-changing individuals ever. People like Lewis Howes, Tom Bilyeu, Rachel Hollis, uh, Brendan Bouchard, Trent Shelton, Eric the Hip Hop Preacher, who, who is amazing, by the way. He's an awesome motivational speaker. And just, you know, just to be absorbed in that world for a little bit. Because, you know, doing this kind of work, it is, it is a little bit insular. It is a little bit kind of there is a lot of solitude there. So it's amazing to connect with like-minded people from all over the world. I mean, I made, made friends with people from like Japan, Jamaica, uh, all over the US. Fantastic just to connect with like-minded individuals, listen to these absolute titans speak about how we can all do our bit, how we can all do our bit to change the world and make the world a better place. So yeah, it was, it was really worth doing. But with that has come jet lag. So I've been all over the place. Um, but here I am. I know the podcast is a day late, but that's why, because I've been wrestling the jet lag and trying to get everything done. Anyway, enough of my incessant waffling about absolutely nothing, which is um, often the case. This week's podcast is um, it's about something that I've been asked about fairly often, but I got asked about it recently and I can't find the email, so I can't find the person's name. It, and I apologise. It either came through on email or it came through on, on Instagram. I can't find it, so I can't remember which. If that was you, I'm sorry. But it's about resistant starch. I was asked about resistant starch. What is it? What are the benefits? Is it something I should know about? Because, you know, obviously everyone's talking about gut health at the minute. Everyone's talking about, you know, carbohydrates and whether they're good, bad or ugly at the minute. So we need to put this thing into context, let you guys know what the game is. So... Resistant starch. Basically, these are types of dietary carbohydrates that are resistant to normal digestion within the small intestine. So most carbohydrate digestion takes place within the small intestine. Pancreatic enzymes, you know, like uh, pancreatic amylase, etc., etc., um, start to actually attack these more simplistic carbohydrates and, and cleave them into their smaller sort of disaccharide units, monosaccharide units that we can absorb and put to use. The most, you know, obvious one being glucose. You know, glucose is that is that thing that we use to con convert into ATP in our cells. So most carbohydrates, most of the, of the more simple carbohydrates are broken down and digested in the small intestine. But there are a certain category of carbohydrates that are almost completely resilient to this type of digestion. And instead, they get broken down by means of fermentation. They're actually fermented by the bacterial colony that live in the gut. These are the resistant starches. Now, 
they're not all the same. There's 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 four main groups of of resistant starch. Okay, so type one, type one resistant starch. These are the ones that are found in grains, in seeds, in legumes, these kinds of things. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, by the way, if I'm coughing and spluttering and sneezing and all the rest of it, that's because I am also rocking man flu as well. You know, that's the other thing with traveling, sitting sitting for 11 hours on a tube of germs. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Uh, but I'm still here. I'm still showing up for you. But if I, if I sniff a little bit or if I suddenly break into a sneezing fit, I'm just going to keep going. It's all good. Anyway, type one, these are the ones that are found in these very, very high fiber foods. It's not that the actual carbohydrates within them are particularly complex. They are relatively simple, but it just means they're very, very tightly bound in this network of dietary fiber of types of polysaccharides that aren't broken down, what we would call insoluble fiber. Some people call it roughage. I think it's a terrible word. It kind of, you know, it gives me... Uh, strange visions of colon hydrotherapy and chimney sweeps kind of amalgamated together but maybe that's just my strange imagination anyway these are so tightly bound within the dietary fiber that not a huge amount of them are released but you know the fermentation process does liberate some of them okay so that's our type one resistant starch type two resistant starches these are the ones that are found in some of the starchy staple foods raw potatoes the carbohydrates in potatoes, the starchy potatoes, are highly, highly resistant when the potato is raw. Obviously, raw potatoes absolutely minging. You've, you know, you know that kind of sensation you get from eating one if you've ever done it. But as soon as you cook it, you get degradation of, uh, you know, it, the complexity changes, and all of a sudden those starches become much easier for your digestive system to actually liberate and to break down. So, a raw potato, relatively low glycemic impact. A, cook, a cooked potato, very, very high glycemic impact. That's an important thing to know, actually. When I talk about glycemic impact, what I basically mean is the capacity for a food to raise your blood sugar and the extent to which it does it, okay? So something like white rice versus brown rice. The white rice, that will raise your blood sugar very, very quickly because there's not much fiber there. It means the sugars are liberated very, very quickly, so they flood your blood bloodstream very very quickly brown rice you've got much more fiber and as we talked about in the type one resistant starch that fiber will slow down and will impede the body's ability to liberate the sugar from it so it'll be more of a drip feeding effect rather than a carpet bombing why does this matter well in the short term a very very high glycemic diet will will send your blood sugar up and it will come crashing back down again which will make you feel quite heady quite tired quite fatigued and you just end up feeling very, very sleepy. You get a carb coma. If this goes on day after day, I mean, you think about this as a normal dietary pattern. This isn't particularly abnormal at all. Someone may have like a bowl of cornflakes and a slice of white toast for breakfast. They might have a sandwich and a packet of crisps for lunch. In the evening, they may have a great big mountain of mashed potato or a big bowl of pasta, something like that. None of these foods are bad. I'm not demonizing individual foods. The pattern of consumption is the issue. Because blood sugar is constantly being pushed up, pushed up, pushed up beyond the, the, the level that the body can actually handle in a healthy way. Over time, this can raise cholesterol. This can actually increase risk of type 2 diabetes. It can cause uh, visceral fat gain. And it increases risk of cardiovascular disease in a second way because it can exacerbate inflammation within the endothelium, which is the in, inner lining of blood vessels. So... I am an advocate of following a low glycemic diet. Okay, so when I'm talking about glycemic 
the glycemic impact that these things have, lower the better. The other type, the other well-known type to um, resistant starch are green bananas. I don't know whether you've ever bitten into that unri- an unripened banana. You've got that strange, you almost feel like you get a coating on your teeth and like your tongue dries out a little bit. That is that starch. That is that very, very complex starch that would be highly resistant. That goes away as the banana ripens and they, they become sweeter. That's because those carbohydrates have become much less complex and much easier to liberate. The type 3 resistant starches, these are formed when certain starchy foods like potatoes and white rice are cooked and then cooled. So when you first cook them, they're very, very high, they have a very high glycemic value. But when they've been cooked and cooled, the resistant starch starts to form and they have a much lower glycemic impact. And then the type 4, these are the man-made resistant starches that are sometimes added to functional foods, for example. So what's the deal with these things? Why are these potentially beneficial? Well, they are a foodstuff for the bacterial colony that live in the gut. Okay, As I said, the more simple carbohydrates, these are broken down by the enzymes that are secreted in the small intestine. Very, very easily, very, very rapidly. But these complex ones, these, these resistant starches, these starches that are resistant to those enzymatic processes, these actually get broken down by the gut flora within the colon. This fermentation process has several benefits. Firstly, it increases the number and the diversity of the bacteria that live within the gut. You know, there's more of them and there's a more diverse range of them. Okay? The more diverse number of bacteria you have the better okay because there's anywhere between 500 to 1000 different strains of bacteria that can live in our gut and they all have different roles to play and let's that i guess that's the next thing that we should get into why are these bacteria so important in the first place well they've got some really important roles to play they synthesize certain nutrients like vitamin k and some of the b vitamins they also help to look after the health of the local environment of the colon you know they keep the colon very very healthy Probably one of the most fascinating things, from my point of view at least, is the impact that they have on the immune system. They have a really, really interesting regulatory effect on our immunity. Now, within, if you think about it, the the digestive system is a very, very straightforward interface between the outside world and the inner workings of the body. It's a very easy, a potentially easy route for opportunistic pathogens to gain entry into our body. We swallow them, in they go. So this area obviously has to be very, very tightly policed. And they're policed by these little patches of tissue that are embedded in the walls of the gut called payers patches. And payers patches are a little bit like a surveillance station. They're constantly, constantly monitoring gut contents and then relaying this information back to the rest of the immune system. And they have two distinct types of response. They, they need to determine whether tolerance takes place. Tolerance is basically where... Something enters the the body and the immune system's like, okay, yep, that's a a phytochemical or a nutrient or whatever. That's important. We're going to let that in. Don't react to it. Don't don't kick off. That's perfectly fine. His name's on the list. (laughs) Let's it in. Then obviously the other the other, the other kind of thing that they they need to figure out is whether an immunological response needs to take place. So if something is pathogenic or potentially damaging, then the the payers patches and the cells that inhabit the payers patches will determine the fact that an immunological response needs to be instigated and then will send a whole range of chemical messengers to the immune system 
to tell it what type of response needs to take place, when, where, and how aggressive. Okay? So that's what the payers patches do. And within those payers patches, you've got T0 cells, you've got um, dendritic cells, you've got all sorts of different types of immunological cells, antigen-presenting cells. The gut bacteria talks directly to this cell population and actually helps them to do their job more effectively, which I find utterly fascinating. And then also, the, the final thing, I mean, you've heard me talk about the gut serotonin thing in the past. The, the serotonin in the gut has got nothing to do with depression whatsoever. Serotonin in the brain has. But we do know that there is a link between the gut and the brain. And we do know that, that healthier, a healthier digestive tract is related to improved mental health outcomes but this has nothing to do with serotonin this seems to be related to gut flora again a, 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 a communication between gut flora and the nervous system it's early days in the research but that's where that link seems to be so looking after the health of the gut bacteria is of vital importance so that brings me to the second part of of this week's discussion point should, should we be consuming carbs? So many people ask me, oh, should I be consuming carbohydrates? Should I go on a low-carb diet? I am a big advocate of a low-glycemic diet, which, as I discussed before, means a diet that, that keeps blood sugar nice and stable and doesn't give you those peaks and troughs because it has so many protective effects on metabolic health. And you look at the things that are plaguing our health system at the moment – cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes, obesity, these are metabolic problems. So anything that looks after the health of many aspects of our metabolism is going to be a winner for so many different reasons. That's why I am a, an advocate of a low glycemic diet. But I do eat carbs every day. I mean, last night I had an amazing vegan curry with like courgettes, mushrooms, spinach, red onions, black beans, and I had it with brown rice, the black beans and the brown rice. These are dense carbohydrates, but they are real, real slow burners. They don't cause the massive spikes in blood sugar, and they have huge amounts of these resistant starches, long-chain polysaccharides that feed the gut bacteria. Okay, so my, my message is, like, just keep away from the white bread, white rice, white pasta, sugary drinks, chocolate, and just keep away from the crap. We know what we need to be avoiding. And instead, just switch over to a whole foods diet. That means the whole grains, pulses, those kinds of things. These will give you carbohydrates to you know, maintain your glycogen stores and to actually fuel you through the day. But they will also have sufficient amounts of these key fermentable polysaccharides that support the health of the gut. So there we go. I managed to do the whole thing without sneezing once. I already started um, recording this and I realised that all my mic levels were all over the place and it was distorted. But luckily, I've re-recorded it because I had a, a sneezing fit like Miss Popoff. I don't know if any of you guys are old enough to remember Rent-A-Ghost. I'm showing my age here. There's an old TV show called Rent-A-Ghost and there was a character in there called Miss Popoff. Every time she sneezed, she'd just disappear and reappear somewhere else. I was like that. I went into a total sneezing fit. But I managed to do the whole thing without having a sneezing fit. So that's a winner. So there we go. Whoever that was that sent me the message about resistant starch, I'm sorry I lost your email, so um, I haven't got your name. I do apologise. It kind of disappeared as I crossed the Atlantic. And that reminds me, final point, if you want me to answer a question here in the podcast, then just send me an email, dale at themedicinalchef.co.uk. Dale at themedicinalchef.co.uk. 
www.themedievilleagency.co.uk. And the website, if you want to find out more, obviously is, wait for it, themedicinalchef.co.uk. Anyway, I've got on for long enough. Whatever you're up to, have an amazing weekend. Have an amazing week ahead. Until next time, see you later.